What is the difference between a corporate RIA and an independent RIA? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 93. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. If you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available from this entire series in video format, uh, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers, again, all kinds of things to help you better understand the RIA model and how it might look for your practice Head on over to transitiontoria.com. Okay, with that, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, oftentimes you might hear as you might explore pathways into the RA model about the route of maybe you should be uh, considering joining a so-called corporate RIA. And then other folks are talking that their solution is an independent RIA or that that's the better route you should go. And so the question is, well, what is the difference between a corporate RIA and an independent RIA. That's what we're going to be talking about on this episode. So to begin with, uh, two, two quick items. I did do a separate episode, kind of diving deeper specifically into corporate RAs. If you want to want to uh, do a deeper dive on that, go check out that episode. Uh, and then separate, there is no kind of uh, uniform legal or regulatory definition of either corporate RIA or independent RIA. So what we're going to be talking about on this episode is generally how these phrases are, are used in the marketplace, but just know there's not some regulatory definition that we could point to and say, well, that is the true example or the true definition of either one of those. Uh, that would make things a little simpler. If it was the case, that's not the case. So again, we're going to be talking about more about just how these terms are used in the marketplace and what they are typically referring to when they are used. So we'll start with corporate RIA first. So the kind of the most common, uh, or at least I would argue from hundreds of conversations I have both with advisors and uh, solution providers, uh, typically when the term corporate RIA is being used, it's referring to an RIA at a rather large firm, oftentimes a firm that is coupled with a broker-dealer. Uh, so an example of that we'll start with is uh, a, a so-called independent broker-dealer firm, uh, which there are uh, quite a few of those firms out in the marketplace, some very large 10, 15, 20,000 advisors at. And typically, those advisors in that quote-unquote independent broker-dealer model typically are wearing two different hats in that financial advisor role. Uh, one hat is they are the Series 7 registered representative, and they are underneath that that uh, that company's broker-dealer. And then simultaneously, they perhaps have a, a Series 65, or there's different ways, depending on what state you're in. Maybe you have a CFP that excludes you, but we'll, for simplicity, we'll say it's a 65. Uh, and that that allows you to... to um, become an investment advisor representative, an IAR, uh, where you can offer fee-based accounts. And that technically has you underneath the RIA side of the firm. So that firm, even though we typically refer to them as independent broker-dealers, they typically have kind of two components to them. The actual broker-dealer, which is where you, which is where and how you offer commission accounts, and also the RIA, which is where and how you offer fee-based accounts. And most, again, advisors in those channels are wearing both of those hats. 
And it's that RIA piece that is in that set. And as I just described it, that is typically referred to as the corporate RIA. That's how that name is often used out there in the marketplace. For the same reason, although it's not referred to this, we could call it the corporate broker dealer sits alongside it as well. For whatever reason, that, that name has just not really stuck. Uh, but on the RIA side, referring to that part as the corporate RIA is often the case. So you do see that a lot with independent broker dealers. They'll talk about the corporate RIA. Some are even moving more to where they don't kind of uh, consider themselves independent broker dealers anymore. They say, hey, we are essentially, you can join us under the corporate RIA. And by the way, we do have this broker dealer on the side. So the degree you do have commission business that you need to accommodate, we can do that via the broker dealer, but they are leading the message with, hey, we are ultimately a corporate RIA uh, that you can join under. And again, the broker dealer is now essentially secondary to that. And that is different from how it was for decades. For decades, the broker dealer was the bigger piece of this kind of two component uh, setup that we have. But over time, as more and more accounts are going from commission accounts to fee-based accounts, most of these large, again, so-called independent broker dealer firms have more assets now on the fee-based side of things than they do on the broker-dealer side. So we actually shouldn't even be calling them uh, or arguably shouldn't even be calling them independent broker-dealers anymore because the reality is there's more assets on the RA side. We should be calling them uh, independent RIAs or RIAs or corporate RIAs, whatever we want to call them. They also happen to have a broker-dealer for the remaining commission assets. That's now a minority part of the overall assets at the firm. Uh, but the main takeaway, there's that that part, that hat that those advisors wear under that RA is often referred to as the corporate RA. So the same thing applies, while perhaps maybe not the jargon not used as much, uh, at a, for instance, a wirehouse advisor. So if you are at a wirehouse and you're W-2, you are likely also wearing those two hats. You are under your firm's broker-dealer for your commission assets. You are under your firm's RIA for the fee-based assets. That's a that's arguably a version of a corporate RIA as well. Again, the wirehouse world is not necessarily talked about as much that way, um, but that is arguably a corporate RIA structure as well. So whether you're in an independent broker dealer 1099 model or you are in the W-2 model, arguably you can refer to that as the corporate RIA side of things. Uh, now this could also be used corporate RIA. Uh, with with uh, kind of smaller RIA or standalone RIAs that were built from the beginning as an RIA. So a lot of these wirehouses or independent broker dealers I talk about, even though the assets have shifted from commission to more and more fee-based and they're essentially become an RIA that also happens to have a broker dealer, there are plenty of RIAs, right, that were started from scratch as an RIA first and foremost maybe has some sort of accommodation on the broker-dealer side, uh, but they were purpose-built to attract advisors that perhaps want the benefits of the RA space, but don't want to start their own RA. I've done all kinds of episodes on that about the, the benefits of why you might want to look at joining an RA, but we could even refer to those perhaps as a corporate RA, where if you are joining them uh, underneath someone else's RIA, we could arguably call that a corporate RA. And so that could technically be everything down to a an RA maybe as small as five advisors to one with 500 advisors, you could arguably say it's the same kind of infrastructure that you or the investment advisor representative under another RIA. So whether it's a, a behemoth that has 20,000 advisors or has one with 50 advisors, we, we could argue that both versions of that are a so-called corporate RIA.
Um, and a, a, a warning I would give on this, and I'll repeat it again at the end, is to be careful with this terminology and talking about corporate RA or in a second when I we're talking about independent RAs. And, and the, the example I give on this is, is hybrid. The word hybrid, I'm not a fan of the word hybrid. I've done an episode on what is a hybrid RIA. The reason I'm not a fan of it is because I think it has been misused in a number of instances. Now, for starters, the term hybrid, just like what we're talking about here, also does not have necessarily a set legal regulatory definition. So we can't specifically point to, oh, this particular uh, affiliation model or setup would be a hybrid arrangement. Uh, it's it's used in a number of different ways. And sometimes I think in ways that uh, is not appropriate or it's, or it's clearly just trying to ride uh, the, the excitement about the hybrid model, particularly over the last couple of years, uh, that was kind of a big thing that, oh, that the, the hybrid models out there, but then you would see firms using it in a way that, that arguably is not even close to what most people think of as the hybrid model. So the same kind of thing you have to worry or be just aware of whether someone's referring to a corporate RA or an independent RIA. Again, make sure, and, and I'll repeat this at the end with some takeaways, make sure you understand exactly what they're referring to because it could be used in different ways. And sometimes I don't want to say by bad actors, purposely using it incorrectly, in, in but I would argue there are firms and solutions that use it in a way that's not the most commonly thought of way of what those terminology terms are referring to. So just something to, to, to be aware of. Um, and then let's, let's now jump over to the independent RIA. So what is that commonly referring to? So, so the first example I think is universally accepted as as an example or a well thought of example of an independent RA is if you were to go start your own RA. So clearly under that scenario, you are independent. You are not affiliated with some other firm. You are not joining under some other firm. You are independent. It is your own RA. So uh, clearly your own RA would, would meet the definition of independent RA. And that's what a lot of people, but not all think of when you first say independent RA, that is what comes to mind. However, uh, others might argue that a so-called independent RIA uh, meets the definition of independent that we use in a number of other different ways. So, for instance, uh, just the term, uh, hey, in, in, in our in our industry, if you want to go, quote unquote, independent with your practice, well, what exactly is that referring to? Is that independent uh, with an independent broker dealer? Is that independent with your own RIA? Is that independent joining under either one of those is a 1099. And so that that term independent is used broadly as well. But the point I'm trying to make here is oftentimes independent RA could be represented as something other than that W-2 traditional wirehouse broker dealer type uh, arrangement that yes, does have that RA, like I said at the top, but, but that the traditional W-2 model where hey, anything that's a quote unquote independent path beyond that could be considered the RIA portion of it as an independent RIA. So that, that's another example of a definition that, that can be used. Again, anything that's kind of beyond that traditional W-2 broker-dealer setup. Uh, and then the, the last example of an independent RIA, again, is as opposed to you uh, starting your own RIA, like I talked about a moment ago, you might look to join an RIA. And so that often can be referred to as an independent RIA route. So even though it's not your own RIA, well, that RIA itself is independent of any large 
wirehouse or broker dealer or whatever the case is. And so that too could be considered, hey, I, I'm going to take an independent RIA path with my practice or some solution provider is, is holding themselves out as an independent RIA. That's an example where that could be. And, and that could be a relatively small RIA, mid-sized RIA, or, or we are increasingly seeing very large RAs, so-called national RAs that are that are kind of coming on the scene. So size or headcount of advisors does not necessarily drive what may or may not be deemed to be independent, but just just know that that's another example. Is is even if it's not your own RA, you might be joining an RA that that would arguably be considered an independent RIA. So the the kind of main point here is, unfortunately, I can't give you a a no one can a very specific. Here's the only way that the corporate RA, and here's the only way independent RA, that terminology is used. So one of the main uh, takeaways from this is is to always uh, pay attention to who is using the terminology. And I'm not saying that's necessarily done in a nefarious way, but you have to ask yourself, okay, who is expressing it as such? And, and, and very specifically, what are they referring to? And so again, that goes back to that hybrid model where that was all the rage over the last you know five years or whatever. And this hybrid thing, and, and I would see solution providers out there and their business development people saying, oh yeah, we have this hybrid offering or this hybrid pricing. And the reality is they were putting a spin on something that does not meet the typical definition of what most, most folks think of as, as hybrid. And so the same thing here, if you hear someone talking about particularly the independent RIA jargon, corporate RIA, RIA is at least a little more line that you're at least going to fall under some someone else's RIA is, is typically the accepted definition of that. Again, there's some nuances we talked about. But independent RIA, again, that could be an independent broker-dealer referring to their own RIA as an independent RIA. It could be referring to a custodian where you go start your own RA. That could be referring to a uh, an RA that's looking to attract you as an advisor that says, hey, we're an independent RA. So just careful who is using the terminology to make sure you understand what they are referring to. And if you don't have that context, don't make any assumptions necessarily that, oh, this path is better than this path until you fully understand it. Uh, and and the, the final kind of takeaway on that in and as, uh, you know, hopefully this episode has not added more confusion to the matter, but just the point being, uh, and I talk about this in a lot of episodes, there are multiple different pathways you can take to transition your practice into the model from starting your own RA, joining RA, there's some flavors in the middle. And this jargon is used, uh, for better or worse, kind of interchangeably through throughout a lot of those different pathways. And so uh, kind of two things to, to always keep in mind on that. One, you want to educate yourself on what are those different pathways, and you want to understand that first on a generic level before you worry about what any particular solution provider might be and understand the pros and cons and say, okay, hey, this approach or this approach over here is, is best for me. Now let's look at who are the solution providers in the marketplace that support that particular approach. The so first thing you want to do is say, okay, let me make sure I understand it. And let me make sure I know who the players are. And then second... What is good for one advisor is not necessarily good for you, right? So there's pros and cons to each of these paths. There's no hard set rules. If you if you came to me and you're one size uh, of an advisor and someone seemingly the same size as you came to me, even from the same firm, that doesn't mean based on your motivations and your, your needs uh, for what you're going to service clients with and how you want to position your, your practice, that doesn't mean that the path that you choose is necessarily the same or the best path for, for that other advisor, even though 
in many ways, you are very similar. So, so as you explore perhaps this corporate RA route or this independent RA route, be very careful about just saying, oh, my ex-colleague or my friend or whoever, they, they went down this route. That might also be the best route for you. It might not. So you need to, one, again, know what's out there, understand the jargon, make sure you're not uh, misinterpreting the jargon being used by who's using it, and then ultimately deciding which path is best for you based on your specific circumstances. That, of course, is something I help advisors with all day long is work through all of these variables, work through all of this kind of education and what options are out there in the marketplace. Of course, happy to have that conversation with you as well. So like I said at the, uh, at the top, my name is Brad Wales. Help people with this. Happy to have that conversation. Uh, whether you want to talk about today's uh, topic or anything else RIA related, uh, happy to go over that with you. Uh, as a starting point, feel free to jump on over to transition to RIA.com. Again, you can find all of these resources in the uh, video formats of the series. I'm sorry, is in video format, audio format. I have articles, I have white papers. And at the top of every page is a contact link. You can click on that and instantly, instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation uh, with me, whether you want to talk about today's topic and these different pathways and the different jargon or anything else RIA related. I'm happy to have that conversation with you. And with that, I hope you found value in today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.